I started something that did not go well. What what was that? Uh I, I was I was just, you know, doing my basic I'm calling bear but I got like uh distracted in the middle of it and then I kind of lost my train of thought. And you can sort of hear it happen. Ah. Well, I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing you lose your mind. Hooray! But not in a fun way. In just a <laughs> boring, doddering, trailing off sort of way. Exactly. Hey, welcome to my everyday life. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. Uh, and now, I should mention, uh, I'm at two bars right now for <laughs> yeah, the we're, battery. We're kind of, uh, we're kind of uh, uh, playing by the... We're uh, seat of our pants here. That's right. That's right. Because Betty uh, has a band concert tonight, and I wanted to make sure that um, and the concert starts at seven. Normally, when we're on our regular schedule, a seven my time. Uh, yeah. When we're on our regular schedule, we're done right at seven, uh, and that's not going to work. She has to actually be there at six fifteen. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how, how late we're going to go. Probably right up to the last minute. We'll see. We'll We'll see though. Yeah. It's all up to you. You just, uh, you know, let me know when it's time to go. Definitely. Um, so Ben, Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Good. There's a spin the bottle is tonight. Hey, the bottle is at 8 PM as we've mentioned before. Uh, and are you, at the theater? I am at the theater. Are currently. you performing in said Spin the Bottle? I'm not performing. I'm hosting it. What? Yeah. Ben. Now, it should be said, we have hosted once before, or did we host twice? You and I hosted twice, I think. Have you hosted before by yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's man. A- it's a regular thing now. I do every other month. That is crazy. And what what do you do? Do you just uh, introduce the people? Do you do a little? I do nothing. Thing? I do nothing special. <laughs> you just get up and go. Hey, welcome to Annex welcome Theater. To, welcome to Annex Theater. Welcome to Spin the Bottle. Here's your next performer. I have a question. Do you utter the phrase "the relative safety of the alley below"? <laughs> I do not utter that phrase because uh, I don't give a curtain speech per se, but that uh. phrase does live on in all of the curtain speeches that are recorded here at the theater. Do you know who the first person to say that was? Because I do not. Uh, I thought, I thought maybe Jose Amador laid claim to inventing that. Ah, uh, now see that would sound right. The other thing I would just say is that it it does sound a little Stephen McCandlessy. <laughs> it does, uh, doesn't it? You know it? that he that he would never he would he would have an equivocation. Uh, you're not necessarily safe. You're just more safe than you are here. Right. But you know what that means? Whomever that- did it, and you know I have no reason to. Uh, disbelieve jose at all uh the, my suggestion of steven was a uh you know like i had always in the back of my mind thought that maybe he had done it so that's it's my right. uh my pet my 
pet hypothesis with no basis in reality. But either way, whether it's uh, whether it's the real thing or my fantasy, uh, both contributors to the show. Yeah. It's um, friends of the show. Speaking of Jose Amador, Jose and the Hawk uh, active on Twitter. I have seen. Yes, they're uh, they're going to be launching a Kickstarter for season one soon, I believe. So, so that is a plug that we can do for sure. Um, <laughs> our friend Jose Amador and our friend Rachel Jackson together uh, are they the the masterminds behind it? Is there anybody else as well? I know that there are other people behind the scenes. There are other people involved, but it's uh, technically Jose and the Hawk is a spinoff of the Panel Jumper. That is correct. And, uh, but I believe Rachel is the sole creative force behind it. Like, like, she's like, hey, this needs to be more. I will make this more. Yes. Through sheer it's force her, of will. It's her property. Nice. And people, uh, Ben, they gotta get their props. <laughs> uh, so, anywho, um, it feels weird. It feels like it. This doesn't make a lot of sense, but it feels like I'm unprepared, even though I'm never prepared. <laughs> I know we're like an hour early normally. Yeah, we were, we were gonna be like, oh, let's just do this on Monday. You know, it'll be do late we, by do a day. Do we spend that hour thinking of something? I don't think we do. I don't know why this would be any different. I don't think I don't think it's something that you spend your time thinking of, but I think in that in that time beforehand, you can sort of like psych yourself up to like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to be doing this soon. Even if you don't consciously think of things, you are mentally preparing yourself to do that. Whereas today, it was like, you know, via, oh you no, know, let's you go. Text, oh, let's let's just do this now. Ah, now we're feeling rushed. It's pretty great. Uh, anybody who who thinks that that we didn't do anything, it, it's pure um, pure mental state, really. Nothing else. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, speaking of pure mental state, I'm almost done with the Expanse. The Expanse the TV is TV show. Oh, a TV show. Uh, okay. The, the Expanse is a TV show on Amazon Prime, and I believe that I hadn't started watching it. Uh, I think I've burnt through it within a week. Oh. I could be wrong, but I think I started uh, last weekend and just just powered through. It's really great. You like like to hoover up the TV shows. I do, I do, I do. Hey, speaking of of being active on Twitter, I noticed that Mr. OGSGNP is active on Twitter again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so to explain that... um, my my old username was original SGNP. Well, my first username right. was SGNP. And that was my username for a really long time. And then I got freaked out about Twitter's, uh, you know, being Twitter's uh, role in being sort of this uh, propaganda engine. And so I deleted my account. Right. Um and then I came back on as Paul Goody, and I deleted that account. And then I came back on as original SGNP, and I realized that someone could do that thing where they take the capital I and put it in place of the L. So I changed it to OG SGNP so that you couldn't do that. 
to my account because I didn't want. I had this. I had this fear of of being impersonated. And what is there any foundation to that fear? It seems kind of uh, paranoid, even for you. Oh, oh, fear of being impersonated. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. This is paranoid. It's extremely paranoid. <clears throat> but you know that thing where um sometimes you might see this, you might not. There's a thing on Twitter that people do sometimes where they let autocorrect, or not autocorrect, but you know when you when you're on your phone, and you the predictive text. Predictive text. You know, it's going to say, hey, I think you might want to type this next. And then if you do, then it's faster than typing it out on your keyboard. Right. Um, a feature th- I never use, by the way. There's that. And then there's Gmail now has predictive responses. Right. Where you're like, sounds good. A feature I never use either, by the way. In both of those cases, I feel like there is a chance that at some point in time, Bots might start impersonating people. <laughs> Not I, and, and they already impersonate people, right? Yeah. It's funny. We use we use the term bot um to mean two different things these days on Twitter. One is an actual um an actual robot that texts that, that posts stuff. Now I'm just picturing Klaatu Barada Nikto on his, uh, or not, I'm picturing Gort on a cell phone. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's a picture. I think it would work. Um, so there's that, right? Uh, right? But I'm talking about actual, you know, it's bits of code and it posts stuff. And then they, we also say bots now for human beings who post in bad faith uh, and spam people. <laughs> There you know are a I mean? lot of those. And I and I think the terminology came about by um, less savvy users of the platform mistaking human beings who are engaging in this behavior as bots rather than realizing that they're actually human beings who are just being disingenuous. Yeah. Um, but I think it's stuck now. And, <clears throat> and really, you know, this goes back to the thing. If they're really indistinguishable from... You know, a mechanical device. Should we label them bots anyway? You know, whether they're meat bots or <laughs> you know, code bots. It's worth a worth an idea. But the problem is that then there are real people who just have ideas that are different than you and who are annoying that get caught in the crossfire. Uh, yeah. That's kind of weird. All right, and so so all of that leads you to think that in an effort to protect yourself, you need to stay away from ambiguous characters in your username? That is correct, yep. All right. To ensure that... Now, of course, the problem is that, you know, there are other... Like, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm not sure. I believe that there's a guy in Ireland who keeps on trying to use my email address as his email address. I don't think that this person is trying to impersonate me. I think that, that they have a username that is similar to my username. Right. In, in Gmail. Then they just, they just get it wrong somehow. That occasionally that happens to me all the time. I find that I am often signed up for things because yes. because I uh, somebody has registered 
my email address, but with a period in there. Yes. And this uh-huh. was, I think, before Google started this whole thing where you can actually put a period in your email address and still keep your email address as like a way to to do something with your email. I even forget, I forget what it is. But now there's, you know, there's somebody with my email address, but that's not my email address. And I get signed up for a bunch of things in Hong Kong these days. Yeah, like for me, it's um, petitions for yeah. uh, mostly for football or soccer yeah. stadium stuff. So this is a person uh, and also uh, this one Ireland sports um memorabilia thing or something to that effect so so you know what i mean it, it seems like a specific person doing stuff that they like um thinking that they have my email address even though they don't right but there's nothing there's nothing nefarious behind it which yeah, is how it, i which is how i think of the things that i'm signed up for i just delete them and move on yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, something about that. Uh, me too. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I I feel as though um, I am seeing on the Twitterverse, right, less bad stuff now that i've locked my account and only am following people that follow me if that makes sense i'm not following everybody that follows me i'm just following the people that i was already following that are following me right twitter is trying its best to we've stated this before they um if somebody likes something, that'll show up in your feed. If somebody retweets something, that you know shows up in your feed already. Right. Um, if they reply to somebody, it'll sometimes show up in your feed. Um, and it was just getting horrible. Yeah, I see a lot of I see a lot of tweets from uh, people I don't know. Well, there's also a lot of sponsored tweets. Is like promoted tweets are also like starting to spam the Twitter timelines. Yes, more than they used to, maybe. Yeah, definitely more than they used to. But I and didn't. I didn't so notice that um, one of the weird uh, one of the weird things that happened when you locked your account down was there was one moment where I think you uh, you replied to some to a tweet that I wrote, or uh-huh. I applied I replied to your tweet and you liked it, and I never saw a notification. That I liked it? Yeah, I never saw a notification that you replied to me, so I, ne- I didn't even see... Oh, yeah, I know what it was. It was when... Uh, it was your mustache post. Yeah. And I replied... I, re- I replied uh, to that. Ah, I you replied, replied that. gross. I did reply gross. Is what you, you replied, Ben. <laughs> I you did reply gross. gross. on it. And the only... Now, did you think the mustache was gross or the face I was making? The what only was notification... The... Now, this is weird. The only notification I ever got that you replied to my reply was that Stephen liked it. Stephen liked my reply to your... You, so you replied, you have made my mustache sad. 
And yes. Twitter only wanted to show me that because Steven liked it. That's really weird. Uh, I so I don't it. get it. But, I mean, I'm following you. So you should yeah. technically get that. Technically, uh, but... Knows? You know, I I, th I don't I don't know if uh, Twitter is uh, designed for people like you. Anyway, I still have my mustache. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, how do your coworkers? How do your coworkers feel about your mustache? Oh, you know, they're fine with it. I think everybody's fine with it. They don't rib you. Uh, no, no, not really. Uh, I had uh, a conversation with Jennifer and Betty about it. <laughs> Betty said that I actually look like a dad now. <laughs> well, yeah. I actually look like I'm 46. You got a dad sash. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm all right with that. I'm gonna go ahead and and just just work it for a while and see what happens. And so, you know, and they were fine. Jennifer said that if I did that, I needed to shave uh, more than I had been. Right. So I'm gonna do that as well. Uh, and so far, uh, I got, the, the problem was that I normally I get shaving bumps when I shave. Yeah. But it's not happening as much right now. And so I'm going to write it down and see what happens. But here's the thing. Nobody else, uh, in my peer group has a mustache. Uh, and I, it makes me happy every time I see it. No one like, in, I your, got a mustache. in your peer group. Like over there, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and also, you know, just in general, I don't know a lot of people who have just a mustache anymore. <clears throat> cowboys, yeah, yeah, cowboys. Don't know a lot of cowboys. Uh, you, Hipsters. you as your character, uh, in the front page. Yeah, I grew that specifically for that play, and I had to. Ew. I had to put mascara in it to make it visible. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. I I remember it being a much more lustrous than it actually was, I guess. <laughs> well, the, but, the, uh, the the character description in the play was um a man with a tiny mustache. Oh. And I was not going to wear a Hitler mustache, but uh my mustache was not very big. Gotcha. You, so you were trying to do uh, do right by the uh, stage directions. I was, I was. It was. Uh, I wanted to stay faithful because I believe our director wanted me to stay faithful yep. to the character description. I still think I, you may or may not remember this, but Jennifer was actually pregnant during that. I do remember that, that. play, and uh, and so the character of the of the young woman who uh, the main character was going to marry. Uh, yes. Played by Sybil Darling in, yes. uh, in our production. Uh, Jennifer and I often talk about how it would have been great to... Because part, part of the play uh, is that he's not sure if he wants to get married. And they're like, and, and but people are like, her mom is pressuring her to marry him and stuff like that. Right. Or him to marry her and all that. And just how much the play would have been different if, if that girlfriend, quote unquote, had been pregnant. Right. 
I don't know if I want to get married. You gotta marry her. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, are you talking about in the context of when the play was written? Oh, well, yeah, just in general. Also, I mean, just, no, no, just, just for visually on the stage and everything like that, all, (laughs) all his wishy-washiness and things like that would have been. Oh, you never, you never change any of the lines. You never address the pregnancy. You just show that character as pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Ah, I think it will work out pretty well. Um, so there, there was another thing. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Uh, Georgia. Can we talk about it? <laughs> uh, oh, do we have to? Okay, so um, for context, historical t- context, uh, for um, the future archaeologists listening to this podcast, abortion rights uh, are a big hot topic here in the 20th and 21st century of the United States. Uh, even, even probably prior to that, but this is... Um, you know, my purview when, when I've been alive. Uh, always, uh, abortion rights have been a, a huge issue. A, a linchpin voting topic, if you will. Many people base yes. their votes solely on whether or not a candidate supports abortion or not. Uh, and without getting into the legality of things, because I will get them wrong, probably, um, Georgia has posted a more restrictive... A law that is very restrictive as far as, I yeah. believe, uh, the the timeline of when one can get an abortion. But also, and now this is the, this is the bad thing, is that, like, uh, you can be charged with uh, murder? Yes. If you, the law states, and uh, I actually don't know if this is going to become law or if this is just legislation that's like, past the Georgia legislature yeah. and still needs to be signed in law. But uh, basically the bill states that if you are pregnant and you are a resident of Georgia and you go out of Georgia to get an abortion, you can be charged and spend up to 10 years in prison. So here's, this is the big thing about this. That's interesting is that, there are people who have pointed out that all that one would have to do to use this law to their advantage would be to claim that somebody was pregnant and then the burden of proof and all that kind of stuff. Uh, right. it, it is. It would be possible to frame, you know, the, the concept of being framed for murder and all that. It would be, it would the chance of this law being abused by uh exes who want to punish their ex is uh quite possible um and then the other thing is that some people uh contextually also uh filmmaking has largely been something that happens in los angeles california and uh, a lot of filmmaking has started happening in georgia yeah because of incentives and things like stuff that people have wanted to have Seattle do for a while, but Seattle doesn't. Well, Washington State um, doesn't. Washington State doesn't. Sorry, yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> Sorry, there's more to Washington <laughs> State than Seattle, everybody. Uh, a problem that people in Eastern Washington feel all the time. Yep. Sorry, Eastern but they, Washington. They enjoy our tax dollars over there, so, you know, whatever. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so that's the thing is that um, many people in the film industry are saying, you know, we need to pull out of Georgia. We can't, yeah, you know, do any more uh, of our filming there with one of these laws. And people who live in Georgia are like, so not only do we have to now deal with this horrible law, but also, you know, this industry, which is employing a lot of people now, uh, isn't going to be here anymore. Why don't you, instead of, you know, pulling out of, of our state, you know, support these uh, programs and things like that. And the one person who i've who i've read i'm not going to to just in case this becomes a thing i'm not going to necessarily state who they are but they they pointed out something which is i think important which is that they employ women on their crew and they do not want to bring women to a state with a law like that i don't know if well, like when you say bring women, you you're, are you talking about like having somebody relocate from Los Angeles to Georgia and who might be right, subsequently right. Like, affected that, by this law? Because that happens. Uh, will they be affected by the law? They won't necessarily, you know, the thing if you leave and all that kind of stuff. But just bringing someone into that environment. Yeah, I don't. Even if I, they aren't, I I don't I don't know. I'm I'm sure that there are you know there's there's something to be said for somebody who is contracting and happens to be in Georgia when they get pregnant and you know and then they go home and they get an abortion. I don't think they're going to be subject to the Georgia law. Right, right, right. But the thing the thing that that it made me think about when I was reading this thing was, um. You were probably alive during this time where if somebody went to Germany and they were also going to go to East Germany, there was this there was this real fear of going into East Germany was technically fine. You could do it, but it was also dangerous <laughs> because they be, wouldn't let you back into West Germany. Right. Like they wouldn't let you back into West Germany if we got into a war with Russia. So they would, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And that's the weird thing is that this this the way people are talking about it and the way that you know I actually kind of think about it is is sort of like that like there's this new kind of uh, oppressive feeling about that sort of thing. Um, we have relatives that are in Georgia, right? Uh, I was born in Georgia. And what's that? I was born there. What? Yeah. We must have talked about this before. I'm sure we have. I'm sorry that I forgot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously, Ben, uh, this won't affect you as much. But but like, you know, my daughter, a teen now, goes to Georgia on vacation and things like that. Yeah. Uh, not a resident of there, but still, it's a little... You know, yeah, concerning. No, I don't think there's anything to worry about if, if you know, in a couple years, I mean, in, in many, many years, uh, if Betty happens to be in Georgia, gets pregnant, and then comes home to Illinois and gets an abortion, Georgia's not going to lock her up. Do you, you have other things to worry about in that scenario other than uh, oh, her yeah, being oh, yeah, thrown yeah, in the course. Georgia slammer? <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and the thing, the thing then, that you know, that, well, the the thing that I, I mean, aside from it just being a, a you know, a, a draconian law where you know they say six weeks. You know, yeah. you can't get an abortion after six weeks where, uh, you know, it's totally normal for a woman to miss her period for two weeks and yeah, not be pregnant. Thing, you know, So right? the woman's not going to know she's pregnant before the deadline. But the thing that I was thinking about when I heard about this law is that it doesn't and I don't know, maybe it does. I haven't read the law, of course, but none of the none of the texts that I've read about this says that there are any exceptions for cases of rape. Now, when now let's you know, let's say you are raped, and you don't want and you get pregnant, you don't want to keep the baby, but abortion is illegal in your state, so you go to Alabama, which is I don't know, it's probably not even any easier. So you go to Florida, and you get an abortion, um, you come no, home. Okay, you've named you've named two states that also are <laughs> under fire for their new. All right, so you go those... wherever you fly to Hawaii. And you get okay. and you get an abortion. You come home, and Georgia puts you away. They throw the book at you. They put you away for ten years. It is possible that you are going to go to jail for a longer amount of time than your rapist. That is true. Yes. Uh, from what I understand, now this is you know all about stuff that I've read that other people have written. I've not you know, I'm not a lawyer. I I only have looked at what people have written about this. Yeah. This is all, you know, speculation and anecdotal, but that is what it sounds like. Uh, a point that somebody else made was that there's a, a portion of the law that states that if a child begins growing uh, somewhere other than the uterus, uh, like... Uh, and from what I understand, oh right, so uh, if it's, a child can apply in a, uh, like an intestinal wall, or something yeah, like if that. it's if it's medically if it's it endangers the mother, if the pregnancy is medically dangerous to the mother, that it needs to be uh, replanted oh, into the God. uterus. And I hadn't somebody heard that. pointed out uh, a procedure that at this point in time does not exist. <laughs> so yeah. that'll be interesting because an embryo is well. not a tree. Yeah. Yet, that's messed. That's, that's, that's messed up. Anyway, uh, I I just I saw a lot about that today, so I was yeah. I was thinking the one thing that also that I I think that uh, is interesting, and I almost hesitated to bring it up because it's politics, but somebody was like, "Well, you know, I blame this on the people that say." That said, you know, um, both candidates are bad and I don't like either of them in the 2016 election. Right. And I don't want to get into this conversation with people online, so I don't do it. But I'll just mention <laughs> to you, you're the surrogate to everyone on the Internet. All right. Um, I'll try to uphold my end of the deal. These legislatures could have passed these laws no matter who was in the White House. States do that thing, and that's that's their own um, issue, right? Right. But then I started thinking about it, and I get what they're talking about. And the reason is that 
if this is passed into law in the state and if somebody is charged with it and somebody then appeals to the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, the makeup of the Supreme Court of the United States is different now than it would have been right. at that time. So I I don't know if the people complaining about it are thinking that far ahead, but but what I'm saying is giving them the benefit of the doubt, then yes. I'm sure they are. And there's an also, issue. you know, the the governorship of Georgia, which this will largely hinge upon as well, was uh, there was a large amount of election fraud alleged yeah. in Georgia. And because... And, you know, the, because the guy who ran for governor was the guy in charge of Georgia elections. What? Yeah. Yeah. So no. I, I don't even, I don't even remember his name, but um, Stacey Abrams was the Democratic nominee for Georgia governor in 2016. And the guy, the dude, she was an African-American. She still is an Afri- African-American woman. And the white man who ran against her was also the head of the elections board in Georgia, and I, I don't seems... remember the details, but there was there was some shady stuff that came out about how he was able to institute a lot of voter suppression tactics. Yeah, well, we've talked about this before. <laughs> if you look at my state and our and our district, yeah, it it's like there's a little finger that comes out and and like cherry picks this one part of our city and then there's another part that swirls around and it's it's all just the the further you zoom in on it the more weirdly divided it is there was there was a story i read uh and i don't remember what state it is but it's it's a it's a red state so kentucky texas even though texas is getting kind of purplish these days um, about a state legislature who pitched legislation to make it illegal to drive people to the polls because the people oh, I heard about this, that yeah. get driven to the polls, you know, uh, this, this this Republican legislature. I mean, the subtext here is that it's a largely Democratic um, voter base that needs to get driven to the polls. I guess. Yeah. Well, and they mentioned the elderly. The elderly, uh, disabled, um, minority suppressed minority groups who cannot afford cars. Yeah, and what we're talking about here, lots of times, are uh, church buses who bring members of their congregation in. Yeah, to vote, stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, voter suppression is a is a big deal, and this this is where we get back to the idea of you know the people in Georgia suffering from decisions that. You know, they voted against people that they voted against who, um, you know, disenfranchised them, what have you. It's not great. Not a great situation for them. At all. Um, One thing that I read also that was kind of funny, uh, you know, Uber and Lyft um, went on strike. uh, Yeah, yesterday. And somebody... uh, got trounced online by a lot of people because they said, you know, in sort of a check your privilege kind of way, um, you know, anybody who works for a living can't afford to go on strike. Oh, really? Because they'll be missing that paycheck. 
And a lot of people wrote in saying, do you know, do you know how strikes work? Do you know what? <laughs> and, and the, the hard part is, I mean, the, the, I, I, I don't go to, uh, to defend people or whatever. I, I do think that there is a component missing from that person's argument and what the people were saying, which is the organization part of things. Uh, the, the unionizing of, of people, because if you're in a union, there's a fund for striking, right? You have money squirreled away. So yeah, if it's a whole bunch of people who are just, you know, nine to five workers without any sort of a union. Yeah. They're not going to be able to, people can't even leave work to vote. Yeah. Because it'll cost them money. Um, but that's, uh, that's why labor unions are a thing and why people like support them and stuff in general. But I don't know. I get concerned sometimes when I write about things because, um, you know, I, I am fully participating in, uh, capitalism stuff. And I have been since (laughs) I was a kid. Um, and one of the things that people don't like is when you talk about non-capitalism stuff, uh, as though you're going to stop, well, why don't you not do this then? Or why? Well, because uh, I can talk about a, a alternative without actually opting out of the one that I'm in right now. You know, it just makes like, wouldn't it be cool if we all lived in an amusement park? I can say that, (laughs) but it doesn't mean, why don't you go live in the woods where the amusement park would be built? You know, that kind of thing. But the point, the, the reason I was mentioning that was this. I, I went on a little bit of a rant, and you maybe saw it. The concept of uh, the post-scarcity society. Uh, example being uh, Star Trek, uh, but other places as well, where everybody has all the food they want. Everybody, you know, can... Uh. Nobody wants for nothing. Nobody wants for nothing. Yeah, exactly. And and how, when moving from the society that we're in right now to that, uh, a lot of people are going to be uncomfortable with it. And the reason they're going to be uncomfortable with it is because at this point, we are still in a scarcity-based uh, reward society where the idea is, if you work hard, you know, you're going to be able to afford good stuff. You're going to have a, a nice house. You're going to have a nice car. You're going to have nice food. And if someone who doesn't do anything also has the exact same nice house, the exact same nice car, the exact same nice food, and you don't have any other reward mechanism right. in your brain. Why am I working so be, hard? Why am I working so hard? How come that person gets that thing and all right. that? And it's even worse than that, though. It's it's not just that we they can't have the good things that we have. It's that they can't have any happiness whatsoever. That's the kind of that's the that's the current argument for um, conservatives these days who are trying to who oppose socialism. Right. Well, the idea is that if you like, for example, um, if you give someone something for nothing they won't be mod they won't be motivated to do anything right uh 
unemployment insurance uh, is it's a big one. Oh, if they get money for not working, you know, they're never going to get a job. So you got to take their unemployment insurance, which is crazy because the people themselves have paid into it. That's the thing that's like nuts. Unemployment insurance is a capitalist thing. Right. You you pay into it and you get what you've paid into, basically. Um, just like panhandling is capitalism. People don't like it, but that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, panhandling, uh, con, con games also, uh, confidence scams, all that capitalist stuff. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, in, well, I mean, you can still steal from a library, for example, there's still, you know, the, so I take that back confidence. Yay for confidence scams. <laughs> they cross all economic boundaries, right? But how inclusive but panhandling asking, asking me for the thing that I have when I'm like, no, I got this thing. If. If you can get the same thing that I have, right, and you ask me for it anyway, uh, there is absolutely no guilt in saying, this is my thing that I just got. No, I'm not giving it to you. Whereas, if it's an inequality kind of thing, and I say, please give me some money, I don't have any, and you have $100,000, you might feel more guilt to give to other people. You might. That's how panhandling works. Because it, I am selling my service as a guy who's going to make you feel better about yourself if you give me money. Basically. That's how it kind of works <laughs> that's out. A, that's a crazy way of looking at it. Yeah, but, but you know, I think it works out. Um... Yeah, as opposed to, I don't know, uh, I mean, I, I I would say that as far as, you know, the post-scarcity society works, you know, whenever, whenever you bring up socialism, all that kind of stuff, people think of bread lines and all that kind of thing. Oh, this thing doesn't work. It's, you know, it's bad. Look at how line... How long somebody has to wait in line? And sometimes there's not even any bread when you get to the end of it and all that. That's not what we're talking about when we think of post-scarcity stuff. We, we, what we're talking about is our, our technology is getting so good that you don't have to do that job anymore. Nobody has to do that job. Yeah. And people say, but then people are out of jobs. And the thing is that, that, that people being out of jobs is only bad if when the person's out of jobs, they can't get food or shelter or right. whatever. If everybody had everything they needed, then being out of a job just means that they have to find something else to do. Right. And that's what people don't Oh, but then get. they'll turn and, to a life of crime, Paul. Haven't you heard the talking points? People who but, don't have but, regular jobs are criminals. Well, you know, I could see... How, uh, well, like, yeah, think about the, the actors that you know, Ben. What a, what a shady bunch of people. <laughs> Always pretending to be somebody else. How dare they? What are they hiding? Yeah. 
hiding their true selves. So, but but yeah, that would be that would be a great example in a post scarcity society. Um, you could spend your your the rest of your days just putting on plays for people. Why not? Well, do you know, these, it, uh, are you making people pay to come see these plays? No, of course not. Post scarcity society. People uh, <laughs> people show up and they see the plays. Uh, yeah, you could also, you know, your deal could be watching plays and nothing else. You know, it's everybody has hobbies, basically. That would be the the situation. Not a problem, I think, really. Unless, well, I mean, obviously, you know, no, no, I can't think of a downside, really. <laughs> I guess people get bored on Wii, that sort of thing. I mean, I... I do prefer working. I think, I think there's. I mean, Personally. one of the benefits I see from this post scarcity world, it, where people don't have to work. You know, we're talking about some sort of Star Trek utopia where you know, yeah, people don't have like to work. Food just magically appears, and they have, uh, and everybody's exactly. They have, places. they have all this free time. You won't get, um, you won't get as much, uh, uh. Like creative output, as I think you would normally if people were being paid to do that, and you know, in in the like capitalist society we think of. But you will have people who who pursue their passions with you know unencumbered of having a day job, and so I think you will see a more innovation in Here's that a, th- in that I, world. Yeah, I think that there would be a lot more of a niche. Uh, market for for entertainment and stuff like that. If if anybody could make anything, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. There will be people who are making something exactly like the stuff that you want to see. But how would you find it? That's <laughs> that would be well. The somebody's other... going to invent something, uh, a tool that'll that will enable you to find it. That's the that's the best part. Yeah. Exactly. And. And again, you know, all all that someone has to do to wreck everything is say, well, That's... you can only use this tool if you give me all of your food stamps or whatever. Um, There's, you know, however, however, we designate that you are the one that gets the food. That's that really is the problem is the delivery system more than anything. There's 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 precedent for um, freedom oh. and free time having uh, a positive effect on innovation. Google famously like gives their employees like i don't remember the frequency with that they do this but they're it's like you know you can not do your job for a day or two days and just work on a passion project here at work and i think that's how like gmail came up you know some some engineer was like well i'm you know normally i'm working on this kind of thing but i want to come up with an email system and now it's gmail uh, I'm not giving away any secrets. I don't think there's a there's a there's a thing called uh, agile software development that works on a series of sprints. The idea is that within a set period of time, you have so many sprints, and then that's a program increment. Uh, and the idea is that these sprints, let's say that they're let's say you have, um, you know, three weeks or four weeks or whatever, so a month. Yeah, a month is a sprint. Let's just say. Um, the idea is that you have your sprints, right? And then at the end of, 
of, you know, towards the end, the very last bit, oh, well, here's, here's you know, these four weeks or these two weeks or whatever where you can do whatever you want. And that's actually built into their model, right? Yeah. So you get done what the people, what you're already, like, kind of on on deck to do. I, I don't know. I, I, I could get into agile software development uh, a little bit <laughs> more than anyone would want to listen to. But the basic thing is it's a, the, the concept is that you do smaller stuff more frequently. Yeah. Um, oh, it's like a, a good a good metaphor somebody said is it's like an indie film versus a uh, blockbuster. Right? You have you have smaller stakes. Uh, and it much much easier for it to get done. And if it doesn't do like gangbusters, it's all right. Right. You know, you haven't you haven't lost billions of dollars. You know, that sort of thing. And so but but over then the course of the year or whatever, uh, you will have put out a billion dollars worth of stuff. Just like the big thing. Hey, Jennifer. Um, ben and I are doing the uh, podcast early because of Betty's thing. Uh, were there corrections? Probably not, right? No. Uh, that's Jennifer Fact Checker, everybody. No corrections. I Got love it. you. Um, so, which is good because we already are kind of... Uh, getting getting to that point yeah, about 10 minutes if uh if you can last another 10 yeah hey uh speaking of lasting another 10 hey Betty! <laughs> all right so uh okay hello peasants <laughs> oh my gosh hello betty <laughs> betty's wearing a shirt that says lucky me on it all right um so, Betty, let's talk about this now. Um, my mustache. Is it gross? Nah. Aha, see? <laughs> Take that, Ben. Um, can you describe to me, uh, you said it makes me look older. Uh, yeah, and I don't know why. Is it just because you just get to see more of your chin? Oh, yeah, because I, I have a little bit of a double double chin that you don't see when I have the beard. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing, is I am technically 20 pounds overweight, according to certain surveys. So, this might go away a little bit, as I continue to try to get to the same weight that I need to be in order to get that super cool hammock. Are you, are you looking to buy a hammock that has a weight restriction? Uh, it, well, it's not really a hammock, it's a, it's a sort of a swingy chair, uh, yeah, weight restriction is uh, 160 pounds. Really? That seems yeah. kind of light. <laughs> 160 pounds it's is a, pretty light, I gotta say. It's a made out of. But uh, what's that? Well, I mean, it's it's a swingy chair that you like. Yeah, it's a swingy chair. It's got like little ropes and stuff. Betty's seen it. You mount it to your to your deck somehow, or is it freestanding? I think you mount it to the ceiling. Oh no, are you bored already? Oh yeah, she's shaking her head. Yes. Jeez. Um, shaking your head. Yes. Or nodding your head. Yes. Is that what you? Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, so Betty has a concert tonight. Yep. Yeah. Betty, uh, what instruments are you going to be playing tonight? Bells and uh, 
bass drum and crash cymbals and suspended cymbal and she's thinking uh let's see uh, bells are you thinking of the individual uh, songs and what you symbol. play on those songs okay um bass drum bells again and crash cymbals Okay, out of all the songs, which one is your favorite that you're going to be playing? The one that I play bass drum on. What And what's that called? No spoilers. Oh, you don't want to spoil it for me? All right, fine. <laughs> no, but, the song's uh, yeah. called No Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about cars from the 1940s. <laughs> and it's about Avengers Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> It's called Thor as a depression. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happens. I just it's think that's something. It's called Batman Dies in Endgame. Have you not seen yeah, Endgame? They kill... I haven't seen Endgame. Uh. Me neither. They they kill Batman, though. That's that's something that probably happens. <laughs> yep. He's from another universe. Everyone's from another universe. It's Endgame. Uh, is, is that it? Ben, have you seen it? I have seen it. Oh. Is that basically it? Everybody's from another universe and it's Endgame? Yep, you got it. Exactly. Hey, <laughs> I knew it. Yay! You know, uh, Samuel Beckett has a play called Endgame, and I think that it's a little different. <laughs> than the, the yeah, not a lot of garbage be. cans in, uh, in the Avengers uh, oh, version. Oh, Betty... This is something that is true. Ben and I saw a guy do a whole bunch of Samuel Beckett plays on a big pile of dirt that oh, was yeah. in the middle of a stage. I don't even know who that is. Samuel Beckett is a playwright who used to drive Andre the Giant home after school. True story. Do you know who Andre the Giant is? Mm-mm. <laughs> what? The current okay, generation have, is doomed. Have you seen... Princess Bride. Yeah. Anybody want a peanut? Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the peanut guy. Yeah, the peanut guy. <laughs> Andre the Giant. The peanut guy. And the guy who uh, performed those plays was Bill Irwin. Yes, Bill Irwin, who also you might know as Mr. Noodle. <sighs> and speaking of Mr. Noodle, Betty, look. Oh my god, that is Mr. Noodle! That's right. I am now Mr. Noodle. He's Mr. Noodle! Who is Mr. Noodle? Oh, boy. He's from Sesame Street, you uncultured swine! Yeah, Mr. Noodle is from Sesame Street. Ah. Uh, and there is a there is a famous, uh, and I'm, I'm going to swear, Ben, uh, Ben. Just so you know. Okay. It's not going to be bad, but I'm going to swear. There's this uh, famous Reddit post, I believe. Of this guy who uh, is watching Sesame Street in his hotel room. And Mr. Noodle is trying to tie his shoes, I believe. And Elmo is like, not like that, Mr. Noodle. And, and, and then some guy. From uh, wait, 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 wait. Oh. And, and, then, and then he keeps on getting it wrong, keeps on getting it wrong. And then finally goes, Elmo says, no, Mr. Noodle, use your hands. 
And then some guy from like another room is like, God damn it, Mr. Noodle! Yes. What? Uh, the guy screams, God damn it, Mr. Noodle! And I like to think that that man was Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> but there's no way to be sure. I found something out recently. What was that, Betty? The guy who plays Penguin in Gotham, Evan Lord Taylor, is so cute that he can literally be mowing down hot, like dozens of people with a machine gun, and he would still look adorable. Now you're saying, as the character the Penguin, he could mow down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I think that in real life, if Robert Lord Taylor. Robin. Robin Lord Taylor. <laughs> Uh, if if he had mowed down people with a machine gun, uh, he would it would be different. People would arrest him, and he would go to the jails. Right. And they would say, "You are not so cute that you cannot be arrested for this crime." I've never seen Gotham, so I've I have no context on how adorable this uh, feller is. Uh, he is he is pretty, pretty adorable. Cute. Yeah. I I have to I have to agree with my daughter on that. I don't know. Penguin Penguin's not supposed to be adorable. Oh, but see, okay, now but this is he the thing. Is. Yeah, 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 yeah. The big important thing is that this and Peng, Penguin in Gotham is young Penguin, just starting out. But even ten years later, he still looks remotely cute. Uh, but the big thing is that yeah, he this guy's take on the Penguin character is different than anyone else's take on it, and it becomes iconic throughout the series, and in my opinion. And super adorable. Yes, there is also the, the adorable factor that my daughter has alluded to. Betty George Goody Pratt. Uh, in conclusion, Penguin is super adorable, and my dad is Mr. Noodle. Good night, everybody. Nygmobble pup forever. All right, and there we have Yelling for Betty. All right, Nygmobble pup Segment forever. Over. Oh, and you know what we didn't do, Ben? What's that? Uh, we didn't cover one of our previous performances. Once ah. again, uh, showing that this will be a segment that will be able to last forever. <laughs> we will never run out of things. Indeed. Uh, and we'll sure. just have to explore those things next week. Next week on the show. Oh, boy, this is a problem. So I've got um, so my recording right. Uh oh, is about um, thirty seconds away from a uh, an hour. Yeah, but but my phone call to you, which shows probably when we started, has um, like probably like right now. Oh gosh, it's not going to work. I was trying to do a thing, but I can't. You're trying to do math, um, time math on the it's, air? Uh, now it's got uh, 30 seconds before it's a minute. And if you <laughs> um, cross-reference both of those, you'll see that they're 20 minutes. Uh, and Oh, so I've reached a minute on the recorder now. See, it's called vamping, Ben. It's called... Anyone can do it. <laughs> I'm not special. But, uh, yes. And with uh, that... Yeah, with that, Ben, I ask you to keep it wrong uh, for you and your family. Uh, and, and, and so do you. Keep it wrong.
Oh, thank you, Ben. And I will talk to you more later. Soon. All right. Take care. Yo, yo. Uh, bye. Bye.